much, and thank you, choir. This morning's message is entitled, Soldiers of the Cross, and the subtitle would be, A Proper Perspective for Life in This World. As I said a while ago, I don't know that in my lifetime I've seen people more discouraged, or maybe a better word is disgusted, with the political scene than what we're seeing right now. And if you're not careful, you can carry that to the point of despair. And we know as Christians, we don't want to go there. And I'm here to tell you this morning, one of the things that will help you is to make sure that you have the proper perspective as to what's going on around you. A perspective that you can only have as a believer found in God's Word. Your perspective and making sure you're adjusting your perspective can help you. And again, I'm not suggesting that we stick our heads in the sand. I'm not suggesting that we with retreat. I'm not suggesting that we not be involved. I'm not suggesting that we not be concerned. But I am telling you it is wrong for us to be in despair or to stick our head in the sand or to withdraw and retreat. And key to rejuvenating our enthusiasm is having a proper Bible-based perspective on what's going on around us. Your perspective can make all the difference in the world. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Some of you have heard this story before. But I graduated from LSU, and I went, when I graduated... Uh, to immediately be on staff at Central Baptist Christian School in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I was there for two years, and at the age of 25, I became the principal of one of the larger Christian schools in Louisiana. And I'm just fresh out of of college myself. But assuming that responsibility, I knew that it was necessary that if I'm going to be a principal, that I also have a master's degree, that I have graduated from grad school. And I knew that I then wanted to have a degree from a Christian college. Well, Pensacola Christian College was about five hours east on I-10, and it was close by, and I could work, uh, um, I could go to school there and then come home on the weekends and be involved with my family and my church. And I decided to pursue their summer program. And they said by coming for three consecutive summers, plus work that they would assign during the school year, that you could get your master's degree in educational administration. And I thought, well, that's exactly what I need. If I'm going to hold this position, I need to be qualified. And one of the other things that attracted me to Pensacola Christian College was in their advertisements about their summer grad school program, they said classes are Monday through Friday from 8 in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and afternoons are free for rest and relaxation. Realizing that the beach was only about 10 or 15 miles away, I'm thinking, hey, you know, that sounds good to me. Well, my first week there was horrible. Yeah, classes were from 8 to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and if you weren't studying hard from 1 o'clock in the afternoon till midnight, no way you're going to pass because things were so jam-packed into that week. And I got frustrated, and I got discouraged. 
to the point almost of despair because I thought, you know, my whole church, they know I'm here. They know I'm doing this. How embarrassing is it going to be to flunk out? I cannot handle this. And my anxiety was increased because I went there with the wrong perspective. I really believe if I had gone there knowing what was ahead, I would have handled it a lot better. If I would have talked to, some, to someone who had experienced that, they would have told me, they said, look, yeah, they talk about rest and relaxation in the afternoon. That isn't going to happen. They are so fast-paced. They move that along. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're starting the class on Monday. You're taking midterms on Wednesday and finals on Friday. It says it's all you can do to keep up. Had somebody told me that, I know it would have made a difference. I would have gone into it better prepared. I mean, I was so discouraged and so in despair. I called, do you remember that phone call, Sharon? I mean, I, I'm not pointing to you, Bill. I didn't call you. <laughs> this is long, this is 40 years ago or something. <laughs> Bill shakes his head. Yeah, I remember that phone call. <laughs> um, you remember the sh- phone call, Sharon? Hmm? I was in tears. I was literally crying on the phone because I said, I'm, this is going to be embarrassing. There's no way I can do this. But again, had I had the right perspective... I really think it would have made all the difference in the world. And I believe that's true for you and I this morning as far as the current situation in our country. It will help you. It will help me if we have the right perspective. And the good news this morning is the Bible tells us how we should approach life in this world. And last week, we looked at what the Bible said. The first perspective we got last week was the Bible describes us as Christians in this world as strangers and pilgrims. And we preached on that last week. And if you understand that what we're going through now is temporary, that we are just strangers and pilgrims here, that perspective will help you. Your anxiety level over what's going on around you will be dramatically reduced. But that's not the only perspective. The perspective, (coughs) excuse me, of being strangers and pilgrims. The Bible gives us a second perspective we're going to look at today and a third perspective we're going to look at next week. And when you have an appreciation for how you should be viewing yourself and the context of everything that's going on around you, it'll help you. It will not only reduce your anxiety, but I think it will increase your enthusiasm for the fact that you are a Christian and you are a part of a local Bible-believing church. So last week, the perspective that we looked at from Scripture was that Scripture describes us as strangers and pilgrims in this world, and that's very helpful to understand. (coughs) This week, we're going to look at the perspective that the Bible gives us, that we are Christian soldiers. And to understand that is to be helped. Understanding our role as Christian soldiers can go a long way to prevent frustration and discouragement. Let me share some quotes with you this morning. This is the first one. This idea of suffering for one's faith is foreign to most believers in Western Christianity. And it's easy to forget that the Christian life entails uh, continual warring against the forces of evil. Paul, in the scripture we're about to look at, Paul wanted young Timothy, his assistant, to have no illusions, but to understand that being faithful to the truth, unwilling to twist it or compromise it for personal gain, 
and constantly preaching it, even against threat of persecution, would inevitably lead to suffering. Paul did not want Timothy to be discouraged. He didn't want him to fall into despair. He wanted Timothy to have the right perspective because he knew that what Timothy was doing as his assistant in these churches was tough. Not everybody liked Paul. Not everybody liked Timothy. There were critics of Paul, as there are of every preacher, and there were critics of Timothy. Paul, under the inspiration of God, knowing that Timothy was struggling as a young man, writes the following to him. And Paul is giving him a perspective that Timothy could understand. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, here's what Paul told Timothy, working on his perspective. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, because he knew Timothy was struggling. It doesn't say, but maybe Timothy was to the point of, forget it. You know, here I am sacrificing for these people. They don't appreciate it. Here I am preaching the truth, and they're just criticizing me. People are talking behind my back. This is frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm ready to throw in the towel. There, there, there were obviously reasons <coughs> why Paul had to write these words. <coughs> and he says, he encourages him. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. In other words, perhaps Timothy was thinking, I'm done with this preaching, teaching stuff. This is too hard. People are talking about me. They're bad-mouthing me. They're misunderstanding me, misinterpreting my words. And Paul is saying, listen, you be committed to the truth. Be committed to preaching and teaching what I have taught you. And then to put it in perspective, he says the following. He's going to use an example that Timothy would have been aware of. Thou therefore, talking to Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul says, Timothy, yeah, what you're going through is tough. But what soldiers go through is tough. Therefore, Timothy, see yourself as a soldier. Not a Roman soldier that's occupying the country that we run into all the time. But he says, see yourself as a soldier of Jesus Christ. That's something that Timothy would have understood because, as I just said, Rome was occupying Israel at this time. And there were soldiers everywhere, garrisons of soldiers everywhere. And they would see them interacting with the people. They would see them doing drills. They would see them marching by. So when he wants to describe something that will encourage Timothy, he uses an illustration or analogy that Timothy could relate to. So he says, Here's how you need to approach your job, Timothy, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> no man that warreth, which is what Timothy was doing, not, not physical warfare, but spiritual warfare, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a, let's all say it together, be a soldier. And what he spoke of Timothy 
is true of every one of us in this room today. As we are perplexed about what is going on around us, what's one of the perspectives that we should have? We should have the perspective that we are soldiers. It says we are soldiers of the cross. And when you understand that, and when you embrace that idea, you won't be discouraged. You'll be dedicated. You, you won't be in despair. You, you'll be committed. It'll change your entire attitude. Understand, our, our role as a soldier should inspire us and, and, and motivate us. Of course, we're not living at the time of Roman occupation, but we're living at the time when we see our soldiers, uh, that, 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 that they inspire us. Um, you know, I, I do some weird, crazy things when I have some free time. On, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the um, Texas A&M marching band. I was in marching band in high school. I was a drum major. I still get the thrill of sound of a, of a marching band. And Texas A&M has the largest military band in the world. And they, they do some amazing drills and some amazing stuff. And I had some time to kill, I don't know, maybe waiting on Sharon when she's at Hobby Lobby or one of those places. And, and I'm watching that. And here, here's the, and they're a military band. And they, they showed them marching to their stadium. And these uh, platoons, I guess, or battalions of, of the uh, soldiers that are there at Texas A&M are marching before them. And, and I could see those guys marching, and their, their chests were kind of s- sticking out. And, you know, we admire that. that and that, that inspires me. That, that makes me proud to be an American, to see those men with that kind of discipline and, and that kind of commitment. And that's how we need to see ourselves, N- not as victims. Woe is me, victims. No, we, we don't want our soldiers to think of themselves as victims. We, we want them to, to be men who are, are proud and are fighting for a noble cause. And that's the way we need to see ourselves. We're not victims, oh, woe is me. No, we are soldiers of the cross. And in those verses, Paul gives Timothy some instructions that apply to you and I today, and we need to take them to heart. So let's look at them. Three instructions this morning when we consider the fact that we are soldiers of the cross. Number one, as a Christian soldier, we must endure hardness. We need to expect hardness. We need to be willing to suffer and struggle. He didn't tell Timothy, Timothy, I'm so sorry, man. You're just going through a streak of bad luck, you know, and hopefully it'll get over with. No, he says, Timothy, endure it. Endure the hardness. And he's teaching Timothy that soldiers will experience discomfort. Soldiers are going to experience discomfort. Soldiers are going to experience when they're out on the battlefield, sometimes hunger, sometimes bitter cold, sometimes uh, excessive heat, sometimes sleep deprivation. That's what a soldier knows he's in for when he goes to battle. It's going to be tough. You read about the battles in Europe during World War II and the extreme cold sometime that they had to endure. When Paul was telling Timothy to endure hardness, he's telling us, too, that Christian soldiers are often going to experience the discomfort of a hostile world. And we shouldn't think it a strange thing when people make fun of us and entertainers make fun of us and people think that Christians are the trouble with this world. Soldiers experience discomfort. When you have the perspective that you're going to experience discomfort, 
you're not going to be discouraged. You're not going to be in despair. And soldiers, we know, will experience sometimes injury. Soldiers often suffer serious injuries. We've got a lot of veterans in this room. And maybe some of you experienced injury there serving our country. We know one of our very own, Brother Paul Cody, who is now being treated for things related to his serious injuries there in Afghanistan, Jaleesa's husband. I mean, he is fortunate to be alive, folks. And he, he is more fortunate to have his leg. And thankfully, he has his life and his leg. But he, he, is, he is going to suffer a lifetime. He will never be what he would have been had he not been a soldier of the United States Army defending us against some of the most heinous people that have ever walked the face of the earth. And we have to understand that with us, there's going to be some injuries sometime. Thankfully, in our Western culture, we're not being persecuted so much or being beat up or burned at the stake as people in the Eastern countries are. But, you know, it's still no fun to, have, to be made fun of or to lose your job because you have certain convictions. We're going to experience discomfort. We're going to experience injury. People may mock us. People may make fun of us. People may ridicule us. People may even have contempt for us. And if you don't understand what's going on, you could be very discouraged. You could be in despair. But when you understand, hey, we're in spiritual warfare here. And me taking a stand for the Lord at work is going to make people make fun of me. Or me taking a stand for God in class is going to cause the teacher or fellow students to make fun of me. Hey, I'm not going to take it so hard because I know I'm a soldier of the cross. I like this quote. Just as the Roman legionnaires suffered hardship in in the service of the emperor for temporal hardship, for temporal gain... Even more should be the willingness and desire of the Christian soldier in the service of the king of kings to suffer temporal hardship for eternal gain. A willingness to accept an assignment to suffer is the sure mark of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a couple questions because I want you to do a self-inventory this morning. You are a soldier already if you're saved, but are you a good soldier? Do you keep quiet about your faith at work, around family, around friends, out of fear of reprisal? Now, I'm not talking about going in the intention of stirring up trouble. But when you are called to testify for the Lord Jesus Christ and you have an opportunity to do so, do you hide your weapon or do you bring your weapon out and with love and compassion share Christ with others? Do you keep silent when opportunities to witness come up, fearing what people will think of you? Now, with those two questions, ask yourself, am I a good soldier or am I not? Because the Bible says you're a soldier. The only question with all of us in this room that are believers is, are we a good soldier or are we not? You can be, and you will never be happy until you are committed to that cause with everything you've got. Number two, Paul tells Timothy, as a Christian soldier, we can never entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. That's exactly what he told him. He said, Timothy, let me encourage you. You are a soldier. And one of the things you're to do is endure hardness. 
Timothy, the second thing you're to do is don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. In other words, don't be distracted from the cause. Don't be distracted from the battle. And considering that, we know a couple things. Number one, what he's saying here is that soldiers must travel light. Soldiers want to travel light. You know, when soldiers go into battle, you look at them. They're not carrying a rod and reel. They're not carrying a boom box. They're not carrying a mini fridge. They wouldn't dare do that going into a battle. That's the last thing they want. The last thing they want is to be weighted down. They, don't, they know not to be entangled with things that are going to distract them. And in the same way, Christian soldiers can't be weighted down by improper relationships, questionable endeavors, meaningless pursuits. We need to understand that. We need to accept that. A half-hearted soldier is going to be a miserable soldier. It is the soldiers who get it, who understand the significance of the cause, and who are fully committed to that cause. Those are the men and women that are going to be focused. Those are the men and the women that are are not going to be in despair. They they don't have time for that. They're not going to be filled with anxiety. They, they travel light. They're, they're not just going to be, you know, we know some Christians that, yeah, they say they're a Christian, but they're involved in everything but the cause. Which brings us to our second point. Soldiers must not only travel light, they must stay focused. Soldiers on the battlefield must constantly be in high alert. They must constantly maintain a high level of alert because the enemy is out there and the enemy is intent on destroying them and one slip-up could cost that soldier and his other comrades their lives. And we as Christian soldiers need to understand that, that we have to be on a high level of alert, especially for the deceitful tactics of the enemy. And our enemy will use all kinds of deceitful tactics, making sin look appealing, making rebellion look cool. And we have to understand that's just the enemy sneaking up on us, trying to deceive us, like the Trojan horse trying to get into our lives. Listen to these quotes. Military service, this is so good. This is why I'm sharing it with you. Military service is either perpetual warfare or, now this is for those in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Military service is either perpetual warfare or perpetual preparation for it, right? Those of you that have been in the military, you're either doing battle or you're getting ready for battle. And just such is the Christian life. It is either a conflict or a preparation for one. The soldier, so long as he remains in the service, can never say, I may lay aside my arms and my drill. All enemies are conquered. There will never be another war. Goes on to say, and the Christian, so long as he remains in this world, can never think that he may cease to watch and to pray because the victory is won. And he will never be tempted anymore. It is for this reason that he cannot allow himself to be entangled in the affairs of this life. So let me ask you a couple of questions this morning because I want you to rate yourself as a soldier of the cross this morning. 
when your unit meets together? Are you there or are you AWOL? You're here this morning. Your unit is meeting. Fantastic. Your unit is meeting again this afternoon at 1.30. Your unit is going to meet again Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Are you going to be there? Your unit's going to meet. The captain's going to be there, and the general will be here. You say, oh, preacher, I didn't come here to be put down. I'm not putting you down. I'm trying to encourage you because you're the one missing out. You're the one being distracted, and you're needed. Is, is it good to know you're needed? That's what I'm saying. You're needed. You're, you're wanted. You're important. You contribute to the cause. And we don't need anybody AWOL. Number two, when your unit has a mission, are you willing to pull your weight with enthusiasm, with commitment? Are you somewhere behind the lines, not where you're supposed to be, doing something you're not supposed to be doing? That happens. That's why they have military police. They go drag the guys out of the bar rooms in Tokyo or... Athens or London or wherever they might be. Because 99% of the soldiers are back on, or the sailors are back on the ship, and yet there's always a few that the military police have to go after. We don't want to have to go after you. This is too important a cause. Need everybody to be involved. And lastly, number three. Paul tells Timothy, as a Christian soldier, we must please him who chose us to be soldiers. You've been chosen. You've been drafted. When you got saved, you were drafted. That's what Paul told Timothy, and that's exactly what Paul would tell each and every one of you this morning. Oh, you're exempt. Oh, yeah, you're a believer, but no, you know, we, don't, we don't need you. you know, we got more Christians than we know what to do with these days, so you know, take it easy. We'll call you if we need you. No, Paul would tell you, and tell me the exact same thing. Be committed to pleasing our commanding officer. If we as a unit love our commanding officer and want to please him, we will be an unstoppable force. Very important to understand the commanding officer is the most capable to lead. We ought to be willing to follow him. We ought to be excited to follow him. We have the best of the best of the best when you consider that God is our commanding officer. The commanding officer is the one in the army that has the wisdom, the experience, and the foresight to lead. Christian soldiers need to have the wherewithal to follow. The commanding officer has your victory at heart. Your commanding officer, he doesn't want you to get killed. He doesn't want you to get wounded in action. He doesn't want you to be AWOL. We have a great commanding officer. Commanding officers out in the field, they don't want their soldiers to be defeated. They want their soldiers to be victorious. And our commanding officer will do everything in his power to make you and our unit, if you will, as we're calling it this morning, will do everything in his power to help us succeed. He doesn't want to come to Mayo and see us wiped out. The door is shut. The lights are off. He will do everything. He's given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us a preacher. He's given us brothers and sisters in Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He has, he has equipped us 
with the tools that we need. I like this quote. The paramount concern of every saint should be to please their Lord in every area of their life. And remember that you can't always be a people pleaser and God pleaser at the same time. There's folks in this room that need to understand that and learn that lesson. You can't have it both ways. Oftentimes, being a God-pleaser is going to put you at odds with unsaved people and even, sadly, backslidden Christians. It is impossible to serve two commanders, just as it is impossible to serve two masters. So let me ask you a question for the third time. Is it your great goal to please your commanding officer? Are you more interested in just doing what you want to do and pleasing him when it's convenient? Do you faithfully review your commanding officer's commands and directions in his manual? We have one. Do you faithfully express your gratitude and your appreciation to the commanding officer? Are you one that's more often than not just griping, grousing, belly aching, and complaining? Let me, let me close with this. I thought this was an interesting little story. I, I just want to read it to you. It's a, it's a brief story. It's called Fishing in a Tub. And it's based on the passage we just read, Endure Hardness as a Good Soldier. This gentleman says, and I can kind of relate to this, and some of you can too. He says, the other day I read about a man who decided that his weekly fishing excursion was costing him too much money and causing him too much work. Therefore, he purchased a large wash tub, filled it with water, placed it under a shade tree in his backyard, pulled up a comfortable lawn chair, and started fishing. It seemed like a great idea. He thought of the money he was saving, and of the fact that he was no longer weary from hooking and unhooking his boat and loading and unloading his motor. He was also avoiding the bother of toting a gasoline can, tackle box, and supply of bait. Often he caught as many fish out of the tub as he did when he worked so hard uh, on the lake or or the stream. I I was telling my, my brother recently, you know, we are so blessed to be able to live where we live, Sharon and I, up on that little lake up in, in Curran. And my brother was up here recently, and he really took to, to, to fishing. And uh, my dock was in at the time. It's out now for the winter, of course. But, uh, he was out there fishing, and he says, well, where do you normally fish in the lake? And I said, right here on the dock. He says, right here on the dock? I said, yeah. And he says, well, why do you fish right here on the dock? I said, well, it's a whole lot easier to not catch them here than to go through all the trouble to go over there and not catch them. So I just assume not catch them right here, and I can just walk back to the house, and I'm, and I'm done. So I understand about this guy just the wash tub. But let's not miss the point. It says, however, this business of fishing in a tub gradually lost its appeal. He never felt the tingle of excitement that comes when the bobber disappears and a sudden tug is felt on the line. He also missed the fact that he could no longer tell stories to his friends about the large fish he caught and the larger one that got away. Finally, he decided that although fishing in a tub is cheaper and easier, 
it is not nearly as rewarding as going to a lake or a stream. Christians who are primarily concerned with relaxation and ease will soon find that life without discipleship and zealous service is not very rewarding. It's like fishing in a tub. Paul knew this, so he exhorted Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. This is the kind of Christian life that pays dividends and produces inner joy and satisfaction. I've seen old black and white uh, footage, film footage, of soldiers, American GIs, marching underneath the Arch Day Triumph there in Paris after liberating Paris and all the people cheering. I would assume that there were certain guys back in the brig or in the jail who the military police had to apprehend because they weren't good soldiers. And sure, they didn't get to fight the battle, but they didn't get to march underneath the arch de triomphe with thousands of French people cheering and throwing flowers. I want you to be a part of the team that marches through the arch of triumph for the Lord. The only way you get to do that is to be a good soldier. And being a good soldier isn't discouraging. It isn't depressing. It can be difficult. It can be hard. But it can be so rewarding. Last quote, we're done. All believers must recognize that the Christian life is not a playground, but a battlefield, where battles are being won and lost in real spiritual battles. Ultimately, Christ Jesus was victorious over the powers of darkness at Calvary. But in the meantime, he has left us here and called us to be good soldiers. You're wanted, you're needed. Your unit meets regularly right here. And you are so appreciated when you are dedicated and you're here and you're in your place and you're undergoing the training that will lead to the victory that God, our commanding officer, will give us. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning.